to the weekly message from Angel of Joy Lutheran Church, an ELCA congregation located in Lufkin, Texas. Pastor Paul Guy and the family of Angel of Joy invite you to join us for worship at 10.15 a.m. on Sunday mornings. If you should find yourself in our neighborhood, please enjoy this message and visit our website at angelofjoy.org. Dear friends in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I'll start with a story. It's one of my favorite ones, though, and I'm not sure if you've heard it or not, but I'm going to share it anyway because I like to hear it. A young man was sent to Spain by his company to work in a new plant. He accepted that job, that assignment, because it would enable him to earn enough to marry his longtime girlfriend. Their plan was to pool their resources and to put a down payment on a house after he returned from Spain. Well, as the lonely weeks went by, she began to express doubts that he was being true to her so far away and out of sight. After all, Spain is populated by beautiful women. The young man declared that he was paying absolutely no attention at all to the local girls. I admit, he wrote, that sometimes I'm tempted, but I fight it. You see, I'm keeping myself for you alone. In the next mail, the young man received a package. It contained a note and a harmonica. I'm sending this to you, his girlfriend wrote, so that you can have something to take your mind off all of those beautiful girls. The young man wrote back that he was practicing on the harmonica every night and thinking only of her. When at last the young man returned home, his fiancée was waiting at the airport for him, and as he rushed forward to embrace her, she held up a hand to stop him, and very sternly she said, Hold on there. First, I want to hear you play that harmonica. Think about it. <laughs> Think about it. All right. Well, every year, whether you get it or not, every year the season of Lent starts with the story, not about the woman and the man and the harmonica, but rather about, this, about Jesus and how after his baptism in the Jordan, that he either went of his own volition or was driven, depending on the gospel account that you read, into the wilderness. And it was in the wilderness that he suffered the deprivation of hunger and, and a comfortable bed and a shelter against the cold or the sun, depending on the season or the day of year, the time of day, and ultimately how the devil tempted him. I think that many of us are alarmed by the fact of the temptation, by the fact that when we pause and look into our hearts, we too notice that there are within our own hearts desires that we know might be wrong, or at least not noble, not particularly praiseworthy, and that we know if we give in and indulge in those temptations that we will be committing a sin. And we're alarmed because we do think of ourselves as good people. We're Christians. We love Jesus. 
but somehow it seems to betray our less than admirable side of our nature. We know that even if we're basically honest and hardworking and upright, nevertheless, lurking inside some of us is anger or jealousy or envy or bitterness. The things that we're not proud of, and that troubles us. Temptation, after all, really is a part of the human condition. We have choices. We have choices to make. In one of the Harry Potter stories, at the conclusion, the Grand Wizard tells Harry that we aren't, and this is a paraphrase, but we are not really characterized by who we are so much as by the choices we make. You see, the choices we make in the end tell people who we really are deep down where it counts. But let's look for a moment at Jesus, will you? He is raised in righteousness by Mary and Joseph. He's known as a teacher, as a rabbi, so we know that he's educated, he's intelligent. He's been trained. He observes the Sabbath. He sits with the teachers of the law and shares on an equal basis with them in their conversations. And finally, when the time is right, he's baptized by John in the River Jordan. And at that moment, the voice of God comes down from heaven and says, This is my beloved Son. This is the affirmation of God Almighty. And he says, Listen to him. In other words, what he has to say, what this Son of mine says above anyone else is true and good and worth paying attention to. And then he leaves off by himself and goes into the wilderness. You know, around here we probably think of the wilderness as being in the deep woods. And there's a lot of stuff out there that's not very nice, but that's nothing compared to the Judean wilderness where Jesus went. That was pretty bleak. There were no forested areas. It was mostly rocks and sand. When the wind blew, there was nothing to break it up like trees or, or hills per se. It just blew right through you. And when it was night, it got cold. And that wind chill was nasty. No tent. No no high-tech thermal sleeping bag to keep him warm. Maybe a blanket. Maybe a sheepskin. I don't know. But nothing more. And in the daytime, that sun blistered down with no shade. It kind of was a torture to be out there all by yourself with as little as Jesus had. But it also, without any distractions to speak of, except for the howling of the the coyotes or the jackals at night, and maybe seeing a slithering snake going through it 20 feet away from you, there was nothing to distract him from his thoughts. And no doubt he was thinking about that voice from heaven and that Holy Spirit in the form of a dove that alighted on him when he was baptized. And what it all meant, 
What did this mean for his future, his destiny? He had long since sensed the spirit within him, the spirit of God saying, this is what your life is all about. This is what's expected of you. But now he had to wonder, what are the options? What are the options? We do the same thing, not perhaps with the same focus or attentiveness as as Jesus had in the wilderness, because let's face it, very few of us find ourselves sitting out in the wilderness focused solely on God. But the fact is, thinking of temptation, some people break down temptation into three categories pretty much the same ones that Jesus went through while meditating in the wilderness in those days that we heard about this morning. First, there are the physical temptations, the urges we have to satisfy our physical wants, regardless of how we go about it. I was thinking this past week of all the people that were on that cruise ship out in the Gulf of Mexico, and I've seen the ads for it, even the carnival cruises. The food, oh my goodness, that's a temptation for me, let me tell you. Almost anything you want in as much a quantity as you want, lobster, prime rib, oh, that, that just is so alluring to me. And they had that, and they had, what a great view from the ship, the ocean, maybe in the distance, the land. And they had games, and they had entertainment, and it was all such a, a, a sensual high until things started to go wrong. And things went wrong, and all of a sudden, all of those neat things, all of those, those perks didn't matter all that much anymore when your toilet doesn't work and when the food runs out and when there's no air conditioning in fact, no electricity to light up your room. And if you don't have a, an outer room with a, a, a view, a window, it's pitch dark. Sometimes the temptation looks so appealing. But the reality, if we give in to it, is anything but pleasant. And then there are the emotional temptations. Temptations to indulge one's feelings, one ego, to make oneself the center of all things, to be popular, to be elected to a high office, even in, even in school. I know that's one of the aspirations of the people in this congregation. One of the things they really look forward to and pray about a lot is to be elected president of the congregation here. Isn't that true? You know, it's, it's really great to know that people admire you and fawn on you. And once you're elected, they call you at all hours of the day and night asking your advice and, and offering to help you with any of the chores. I'm looking around and I'm seeing some ex-presidents and one present president who are saying, yeah, that's how it is. That's how it is. But it is an, a, it's an emotional magnet to be drawn toward being popular, 
to being loved, to being admired or respected or perhaps even feared. And then there are the spiritual temptations, the temptation to test God, to dare God to prove his love for us. Now, I have to admit that being a Lutheran pastor, I have very few people that come to me, as the Catholic priests do, to the the Catholic parishioners do in a confessional to confess their sins to me. They don't, Lutherans don't do that very much. I don't know why, but they don't. They don't want to confess their sins to me, so I don't really have a sense of where your temptations are, especially the ones that you gave in to. But I know they're there, those spiritual temptations, and when we pray to God, and that might be one of the temptations too, we pray to God because we need something, something really important like health. Or we're praying for someone else to get over a crisis. Or maybe we're praying that we pass that test that we're not 100% ready to take. Whether it be arithmetic or, or business. We pray, let me not be at my best, but let me do really good. And if God gets us through it and we do really good, then we know that he listened to our prayer and he cares enough about us. But if we bomb out, God, what's the matter? Are you ticked with me? Or are you just not too interested? The spiritual temptation or the temptation to simply say, there's a supreme being out there. I know it. And I hope that uh, maybe what... What we've heard is true, and maybe because I do do belong to a church, that when the time comes, I'll be in good shape. Spiritual temptation. And then there's Jesus. You're hungry, Jesus. And the tempter comes and he says, If you are the Son of God, you can do anything. See, you're hungry. I know it. I can see it in your face. Look at those stones down there. Don't they look sort of like little sweet rolls? And they can be. They can be because you've got the power within you. If you're the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, you've got the power within you to turn them into the best sweet rolls or buttered biscuits. Got a knife with you? Make Texas toast out of it. You can do it. If you're the son of God, use your powers to your advantage and it won't hurt anyone. Come on. That's what you got it for. Use it or lose it. Jesus doesn't fall for that. He doesn't fall for it for a moment. The devil says, you want to change the world. You want to make a difference. You want to see justice done to help the poor, to set your people free. That's good. That's worthy. There's no problem with that. I don't even have any problem with it, Jesus. And I can see that you get that chance. I can make sure that you're in the position to do all of those things and more, whatever you decide. All you have to do is simply bow down right now and worship me. 
Make me number one in your life, not that God on high who's letting you suffer here in the wilderness. And by the way, I can hear your stomach growling, Jesus. You should have turned those stones into bread. But I can still make it up to you. All you have to do is make me your God. And you can have all of these things. Strike two. Jesus turns him down flat. Finally, Jesus, you know that God loves you. And he really might, possibly, I don't know if it's true or not, but he might be your father. He's certainly your father of your universe. But, you know, maybe he is your, your real personal father. It could be. If you are the son of God, then he is your father. If, well, I don't know. Maybe you're wondering about that too, Jesus. Is he really what you think he is or is he just what you hope he is? But it doesn't matter. What you want to do is important. And your plan, your plan of salvation, will sell a lot easier if people can see that you are indeed the Son of God, that you're so special to Him that angels will come and they will save you, and they won't do that for anyone else. But if you throw yourself off this temple, right where everyone is, just sort of like St. Peter's Square in the Vatican, where the crowds are gathered to see the Pope for his last worship time, his last public address, thousands of them will see you and word will go on from them and the whole world in a wink of an eye will know that you are the Son of God. All you have to do is just throw yourself off and not only will it prove to the world who you are, Jesus, it'll prove it to you too. Once and for all, all of your own personal doubts will be gone and you'll know that you are the Son of God if you are the Son of God. So go ahead. Just take a leap. You'll know. I will know. And Jesus looks him in the eye and says, Strike three, dude. You're out. And so the devil slinks off, waiting for a more opportune time. What's the opportune time? Well, maybe on the cross. Because he knows, since Jesus turned him down, he knows what Jesus' destiny is, as sure as Jesus does, where it's going to lead if he's faithful to God. Maybe that time, when he's suffering a little bit more, he'll pay more attention to Satan. Well, Jesus turned Satan down, and you see, temptation really is a natural thing. It's an easy thing. It's all part of our lives every day. Big temptations, little temptations, choices that we make, that we have to make. But as far as the, the temptation to doubt our relationship to God, well, there's only one cure for that, and that is faith itself. And Jesus did show us the way. By rebuffing the things that tempted him with his focus on what God really revealed through Moses and the prophets, when tempted with the easy way, and maybe the more pleasant way, 
Jesus drew from his heart to his mind the word of God that he had been taught. One does not live by bread alone. Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus did resist the easy way. And he did it by recalling God's way. And so can you and so can I. Oh, sure, we're not Jesus. We're not the Son of God. We are not perfect. And we will make our mistakes and we'll blow it sometimes. And sometimes we'll give in to temptation to do the the easier way or the cheaper way or the wrong way. But if we do our best, and if we remember who is our Father, our Heavenly Father, and as we remember how the one who resisted Satan in the wilderness also gave his life on the cross for you and me and rose again and is still around in our lives if we want him to be, then we can do the best we can do. And I think that's enough. When we touch the Christ who is after all within us, when we reach inside ourselves and ask ourselves, what would Jesus do if he were in my place right here and right now, then I think we're on the right road. And like I said, we'll make mistakes. But don't forget, our God is a God of love and a God of forgiveness. At the end of our days, God will not ask us if we failed, nor will he even ask us if we've been tempted. But I think he may very well ask us if we have learned to play the tunes of love on the spiritual harmonica that he's given us. He may ask if we endeavored to walk the road that Christ is on in the direction that Jesus walked it. And if we seek to do this, and in in doing so we happen to stumble and fall once in a while, Well, I think God, rather than standing there to judge us, will rather be right there kneeling before us to bandage the wounds and to wipe the tears from our eyes and to even give us a loving Father's hug. Because we will have done all that he expected of us. And in that moment, that twinkling of an eye, he will look at you and say, You are mine and you will be forever. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please provide feedback on the iTunes podcast page and visit our website at angeljoy.org for more information.